everybody, welcome to One Set. My name is Anthony Irvin. What's up, everybody? How we doing? This is my co-host, Jim Green. This has been a, uh, a year in the making. It's, it's, it's really been 23 years in the making. Uh, who, who wants to tell it, you or me? I don't know. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? How we doing? Welcome back to another episode of One Set. I'm Jim Green, along with my co-host, my best friend and my brother, Anthony Irvin. Anthony, how you feeling, my dude? How was your weekend? How was your week since, uh, well, I saw you last week at your gig. So how, 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 how other than the gig itself, because I was only at the first half, and we can talk about that briefly, too. Um, yeah. How you doing, my guy? Hey, it, it was a busy week uh, overall. I mean, like I said, we had the live uh, show for episode 10 last week, and uh, it was a lot of fun. If you guys hadn't uh, checked that out yet, make sure you guys check out the last episode, which is our first live episode. Uh, the next night after that, I had my um, gig at the Tom's Bar and Grill in Royersford, PA, which is a uh, venue I've been playing uh maybe for a little over a year now and i really like it over there it's it's nice it's it's out of my delco area that i'm usually prone to playing so it's Mm -hmm. a it's a new network of people and uh it's been pretty fun the people there are really chill and they like uh most of the stuff i play I, i know it's more of a country type uh venue but uh they they dig the classic rock and you know a lot of old um you know classic rock uh, country stuff that i usually play uh but yeah it it was a it was a cool night i mean the the night started off a little uh shaky because i had some technical issues with my sound Uh, i was using my other amplifier because usually i i bring my bigger amplifier for that because it's a big room so i want to try to project to the people sitting in the back bar uh but i think my settings for my smaller amp were still on my pedal board so either the uh settings were just a little off and i was getting a lot of hum and hiss and everything so it took me a little bit but after i got uh going i got into the rhythm because usually that throws me off in my first little bit uh but got into a rhythm started getting into it and uh the sets were really good i I really i really was really uh digging them for not playing in the last two months i think i think the last time i was playing it was in january so uh a, a little bit of a pause between the last time i gigged but it was fun because the last uh, little moment I was playing, uh, these college kids that were sitting there, uh, you know, they were applauding and everything, like, encore, encore. And I'm like, I mean, really don't do encores at a cover show. But, I mean, if you guys want to hear something, that's fine. And I'm, and I'm making sure that the people in the back, like, as long as the venue, as long as the bar is okay with it, because they still had, they started putting on the music and everything for the jukebox. But they're like, no, no, they'll be fine. Just play something. I'm like, well, what do you guys want to hear? So one of the guys was like, uh, play free fall. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, yeah. So that while I was playing free falling, they were all singing with me. So it was, it was cool, you know? And, and, nice. you know, so I think it's those little things that, you know, you go out of your way to, you know, especially do something specifically for somebody at those type of shows. It goes a long way for those type, uh, type of situations. So, I mean, when I have those situations at hand, which are uh, not very often, I, I try to, you know, at least make them feel important that uh you know at least okay i mean i mean what are they going to do kick me out 
or uh, turn off my music. Okay, then if if not, then you know. So, but they like me there. Um, uh, you know the the uh bosses or the people that work there. Uh, they were saying they really like me and they want to continue having me there. So uh, I appreciate it up there, and I I look forward to coming back. And uh, overall, I mean. Uh, the, the weekend itself, we had some snow running around here, so it, w- it was a pretty chill weekend for me. But I know you had a crazy weekend. Uh, you were saying that it was uh, the start of your comp uh, season. So uh, h- how did that go, man? Yeah, so <clears throat> like segueing, segueing, like transitioning uh, from your show. So your show in Royersford, I'm actually up that way on Wednesday. So I was planning... Cause I wrap up my night around nine fifteen, So I was trying to get to you to see you for your last half hour. What yeah. actually wound up happening was towards the, uh, was it the, <laughs> it was either the end of my first class or second class. Um, my boss called me. She actually, um, wasn't there because she was sick. Uh, she called out, um, uh-huh. she wasn't feeling well. So, which usually after I'm done teaching at nine fifteen, she likes to catch up and get like a progress report on how the night went. And then, mm-hmm. um, I'm there for a little bit. So I was like, okay, if I'm locking up right at nine fifteen, everyone goes home, I'm locking the door and I'm getting over to see Anthony. He's like seven minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, it's literally like, I think they yeah, about like seven, eight, nine minutes down it's, the road. It's, it's, it's cool. I never it's knew it was actually far that close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when you get off that, that main highway to get up to Tom's, you swing left and you're like five minutes that, that way. I, yeah. I swing right and I'm five minutes that way. So yeah, I think I was we split like, it that We split it that Wawa, right? Uh, no, right, right off the highway. When you get off the exit, when you go left, uh, like, I go to uh, the okay. right. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So, um, any rate, she called me earlier in the day and was like, I can tell I'm getting sick and I think I need to, you know, call an audible and like go home. Cause she was already at the studio. She's like, I, and she, so she was trying to rearrange the night. Um, like because I was just running the night, but it's typically her and I teaching. Um, but they had competition the upcoming weekend. So I was basically rehearsing dances mostly because uh-huh. that was the priority going into the competition weekend. One up happening is at the end of my second class, um, at the end of my second class, she called me and was like, Hey, one of the kids in your junior hip hop team, uh, I just got word that she tested positive. So I'm canceling classes for the rest of the night mm. and for tomorrow. So she said, finish up your third class. Um, or, no, I didn't even have my third class. That's right. Mm. Cause people started okay. showing up. She emailed everyone and said, you know, the, the night was closed. And she was like, if I, if anyone shows up, apologize for the short notice, but like, we just got wind that there was a positive case and tell them that we're, we're just closing for the night. And like, I had a couple parents show up with their kids and I explained the situation and they were great about it. Um, but I was able to get out of there a half, like 20 minutes before you started. 
So I walked in and you were, well, I actually called you, yeah. right? Because I was, I was still like, getting done. I was just, you know, just getting done setting up. Yeah. And I was like, so here's the situation. I gave you the heads up like that. One of my yeah. students at test positive, I was like, do you feel comfortable with me coming through to see you uh, play still? And you were like, yeah, man, if you haven't been in contact with the kid recently, uh, you're, you're fine. I was like, all right, well, and then I was able to come through and see rather than the last half hour, I stayed for like the first hour and a half. And then around eight 30, I was like, I think we're going to go. Um, but was, uh-huh. what was really, what was really funny was I sat at the table in front of you and I asked, cause it was like two tables next to each other. And, um, there was, but there were two older gentlemen at the opposite end of the table. And I was like, do you guys mind right. if I sit over here on the end? And they're like, have at it. Go for it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge you directly because I didn't want them to know that I was like a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could get like a genuine reaction from them. Yeah. Um, and then their food came out. I think that they had uh, like one of the guys, uh, I don't know if it was a girlfriend or a wife or right. A, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, lady sits down, they eat. And then the other two step out, uh, to smoke and they were gone for a while. So I was, I moved over and sat cause you were playing and I was like, yelling to the guy across the way. He's like, you can come over and sit here. I don't know where they, you know, I don't know what they're doing out there for so long. So I went over and I sat down and I'm just having conversation with the guy yeah. and I'm like, I, I I'm looking over my shoulder at you. I'm like, he's all right. Isn't he? And, <laughs> and the guy was like, he's great. Like he, he was, he was really like, and he, if he didn't like what you were doing, right. Like he had no idea that I knew you, like he would have been honest. And, and if he thought you weren't right. And after like the third or fourth, um, time of you saying like your name's anthony right <laughs> and i'm like okay i can i can see what you're doing now because it was more like you were saying to just kind of have a genuine thing of like okay i don't want to have him know that he's my friend offhand and get like a genuine um you know feedback on what he's doing and i'm uh i'm sorry about that and uh you don't need to edit that out but like i again these earbuds, like there's certain functionalities that I don't know. It's hitting like play. I had another tab open with music. It's playing on my <laughs> Spotify. It's playing on my iTunes. So I apologize that, that, that I just cut out like that. Um, no, it's all good. Uh, none of the music came through, so it's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he, he was genuinely into like, not just the one song that you played, but he, but <laughs> right before I was getting ready to leave, I acknowledged you. I was like, all right, aunt. And he was like, so you, you come out to watch him play a lot? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then I, I, right before I left, I broke the news. I was like, I've actually been best friends with him like for 20 plus years now. And, and he's like, get out. And I was yeah, like, so you were trolling me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that's awesome. I, I've done that before at, at shows that you've played too, like acted like I didn't really know. I was just like a, by what is it bystander or something like I'm, that I'm, yeah. it, 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 just a regular 
patron of whatever playing the undercover playing the undercover boss (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's fun because i I can gauge a genuine reaction to how people uh take to your playing and stuff and um rather than oh yeah he's my friend and then they feel like they have to be respectful and not like say anything incorrect Uh, like it's it's good to get like a genuine reaction right um so yeah so with that studio that my my classes got canceled early on because of you know the covid outbreak that particular student wasn't able to compete this past weekend gotcha um yeah but um so i went saturday morning to watch i had a soloist um and she actually wound up scoring first overall and i was like so happy um She's nice. just, she's a good kid. Um, and, and, and she works hard. Uh, and then my, um, nephew's final high school play was Saturday night. So I got to see him. And and the thing is, is he's been doing the plays, um, cause he obviously grew up dancing, but he wanted to get into theater. Um, so, and he doesn't have like any major vocal training background type stuff. I think he, did the course. So he, he has training from school. Um, yeah. But like, as far as acting, he didn't like do acting lessons per se, but his high school's um, theater program is like pretty great. Like they're, they're, they're awesome. They're, they're plays the last um, two that I've seen incredibly well done. Um, but his, his role, cause um they did the sound of music. His role was a lead. Um, and, and he didn't, he didn't dance. It was all singing and acting. So it was really cool to see him, uh, really zero in and focus in on just the singing and just the acting. And gotcha. Oh my God. The, the, the kid, um, I say kid, he's going to be 18 in August. Um, so I guess I can call him a kid. still, but, uh, he he's just wicked talented. I'm so proud of him. Uh, and the play was really well done. Um, so then uh, Sunday, <clears throat> Sunday morning, I was back at this at, at the same competition for that. I was at Saturday morning. I had a group that went on. Uh, so I, I rolled in early, got to watch them. Uh, they they did fairly well. Um, and then I jetted from there. Uh, about an hour and a half north into Jersey, um, right. I had uh, the the soloist that I've talked about that I work with in Jersey. He had his first his first competition um, this weekend. The other studio <laughs> I was talking about, it was their fifth competition. They started a couple months ago, so they've they've been on stage already. Um, right. So my my uh, my soloist from Jersey, he went on. Um, we got to watch a few of his dances on. Sunday afternoon, and then we caught awards. He wound up placing sixth overall out of forty. Not too shabby. It was a hip hop solo, and and the other five that scored higher ahead of the, him. And this happens a lot. I, I I've lived it doing hip hop solos. The yeah. the technician the technicians that are just in the air. They're turning. They're on the floor. There's a little bit more depth and classical like ballet and technique training that's involved in it. So the judges tend to 
lean that way a little bit more. And like, I, I get it, but, um, man, my, my guy from Jersey, he dances just a way that like nobody else that weekend moved. So he, he did, he did get acknowledged, uh, with an entertainment award because he's just, he's, oh, he's, he's great. Um, his theatrics are his like facial expressions are also mm-hmm. he can't it, it's not like he can dance and he doesn't have this up here um right. he's got he's got the he's got the total package man he's he's i was he's gonna say great. he has that total you know full package going for you so it's it's cool to kind of yeah. see you know and i'm assuming these uh kids are the ones that you're teaching and then uh you know so you're seeing the full growth and, and potential in all these uh kids and then when you're seeing the final product up there you know it's mm-hmm. it's got to be awesome for you just to be like you know uh, uh taking yeah. one little thing and then having them perfected week after week after week and then being up on show on show day that's cool yeah so uh they all they all are uh the studios they'll have probably two more months of just regular regional competition and then june is typically recital time and then july is typically nationals time so that that will wrap up the comp season uh so we've got four months to make adjustments as necessary right um yeah yeah, i mean that was that was my weekend uh yesterday i actually had the day off so um i got to hang out with a good friend of mine uh for a look for a little while and then um just kind of try to decompress because the weekend i was running around all over the place so um and then uh today like just taught classes tonight and they went smooth and then i got home and i got ready uh we um are getting ready to bring on our very first special guest to the podcast yes we are yeah man did you have anything else that you wanted to chat about before we welcome him in uh no i mean uh you know i'm I'm looking forward to talking to our uh special guest our first special guest of one set uh he's a dear friend of ours uh we've known him since the uh since high school uh and it's it's uh interesting because we both have different uh memories with him and we've uh recently talked to him well about a month ago uh yeah we 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 went out to like lunch with him right yeah so you know we got to reminisce on a couple things and it was uh interesting how we both had you know different memorabilia stories uh with him and uh throughout because he knows you on a a different front where he knows me on a different front as well Uh, uh mainly uh you know knowing me and him uh you know meeting through music uh but you know i'll let him you know uh introduce himself and give him you know his credentials but like he he was saying to us and he's known in the delco scene and delco area as the delco podcast king so we'll be able to get him uh and you guys to know how he became the podcast king so uh how about we take a uh short little break maybe get a a word from our sponsors and we'll be back with uh you know our guest sounds good see you guys in a jiffy. Dreamers are believers. The new single by Spoken Life. Listen now on SpokenLifeMusic.com, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Pandora, and more. I know times have changed. 
we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And we have our first special guest on the uh, podcast, Mr. Matt Kelly. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I'm getting ready. I'm on my little therapy couch. I feel like we're going to be, you know, leaning back, going into the past, reflecting on things. I've got a couple props here. I'm I'm ready to rock. What What do we got going on? Hey, we got to get the good vibes going, you know, got to set set the moods. <laughs> I'm in live from my studio. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's pretty interesting because I didn't realize how huge the podcasts were until like. I would even say six months ago, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> what? Right. Right. Um, I mean, Anthony and I. We watched the Living the Gimmick podcast, which it, um, is a wrestling podcast. Uh, and I, I don't even remember how far in they were when we started. Did we listen for like two years, maybe? I think it was about two years. I think they were just getting close to 150. Because I know we hit, we hit the 200 and the 300 episodes. Okay. So, so if they we, we must have got in they, the middle of the, the 100 got, and 200. Yeah, if they got the 150 and they did an episode a week and they got the 300, that's three years. Right. I mean, you and I used to watch Russell Reaction after Monday Night Raw. Uh, like when when you were living at the apartment and how long yeah. ago was that? Right. I mean, that, did you did you uh, did you guys get married when you were still at the apartment or were you homeowners uh, where you where yeah, you're we're, at now? We were still married in the apartment for a little bit. And then we moved into the house that we currently are at. OK. Matt, think- do, you, do you still watch a little bit of wrestling? Or? Uh, I watch like the major pay-per-views. I mean, obviously, gotcha. R.I.P. Scott Hall, big, important. We were just going to we were there. saying that before. But, you know? but, uh, but yeah, like I I'll check out the AEW pay-per-views. I'll check out the big four with WWE. Uh I was, I mean, there was a period right before the pandemic hit where it was like five days a week. I was watching the AEW dynamite. I was watching NXT. I was watching SmackDown. I was watching Uh Raw, And then like every month there was a pay-per-view. Like it was, it was pretty bad. It was what happened was that watching the audience list wrestling was really uncomfortable and yes. yeah, it was it was so hard. <laughs> and then like ever since it's been one of those things that like I don't really miss that much, but like I still listen to like Coldaholic every morning, so I know everything that's happening uh-huh. in the wrestling world, so that I'm not like completely blind when I walk into like the pay per views. So I'm not like, oh, who's that? Like I know who all the players are. Right. I feel like one day I'll get back into it. I also don't have any live TV option right now and like i feel mm-hmm. like wrestling is one of those things that like sure i can watch it the next day on hulu but like 99 percent of the fun of watching wrestling is like experiencing the moment with the rest of the world as it happens yes so like any big moment that happens on monday i've already seen about it on twitter or facebook when it happens mm-hmm. so like it kind of takes away the only exciting part of wrestling <laughs> sometimes yeah. is those like unexpected moments so uh it it I've been I have a friend who wants to split a sling like a sling account with me. And if I follow through with that, then I could see myself getting sucked back into just like kind of throwing on raw in the background on a Monday night while I'm like Uh doing other stuff. You know what I mean? And then slowly getting reeled back in. But 
I'm busy, dude. Like that's a it's a big investment <laughs> to stay on top of everything. It really is, especially with like you were saying with all the you know programs they have now. You I mean you got Monday Night Raw, you got NXT, you got oh, AEW two that's, nights that's, a week, and it, it's let's not even pretend that NXT is a thing anymore. That uh, whatever no. was the goodness of NXT has been long gone. Once the 2.0 started, it, it just went downhill. It yeah. was the nope. perfect. It was the absolute, I, and I was just talking to somebody about this, like NXT, I love that NXT 2.0 stopped using TakeOver because then I can still say that TakeOver has been and will always be a flawless series of pay-per-views. There is not yeah. a bad TakeOver in the bunch. Like just a perfect, that was the, for my money, it's NXT's entire run and Lucha Underground's entire run are like mm. two of the finest blocks of wrestling that has ever that has been produced in the last however many years um right. and actually i was just i literally just rewatched a bunch of videos of this today on youtube because um the five-year anniversary of it dropping is this week but do you remember my favorite thing that wwe ever did uh south paul regional wrestling did you ever watch those i i didn't uh but i, I yeah i, I, heard, think I, remember I, I heard I heard good things about it. Actually, yeah, it was it was four five minute shorts that Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows produced, and it was basically okay. just like all of the people who weren't being used on WWE came up with a fake wrestling company from the eighties and like shot it on like these handheld cameras and made it look like an old like territory wrestling company called South Paul Regional Wrestling, and like John Cena plays the the host of the show who's like a washed up news anchor who's now has to do like this public access wrestling show and it was no matches it was just promos like non-stop promos but it was like uh luke gallows and carl anderson played like the two dudes who were always feuding like that you would always have in that stuff so it was like chad too bad versus tex ferguson and then it was like rusev played like the good good American uh, country boy named like Bartholomew, but he still spoke like Rusev, like thick Russian right. accent. <laughs> and then uh, his, his big like villain was Tyler Breeze played the millionaire. And he was basically like a, like a million dollar man type character who bought, he bought Bartholomew's farm and was going to sell it unless Bartholomew could beat him in a match at the upcoming pay-per-view. <laughs> like, oh, it was just, it was so good. It was so over the top and ridiculous. Um, and it just like, it captures all those things that you kind of love about that, like late eighties, early nineties wrestling where it's like, yeah, like when every character has a job and an occupation and like, they're right. just like, ridiculous and over the top and it is really it's really funny like i recommend watching that they did two seasons of it the second season is also pretty good but that first season those four episodes that they put out are just i i rewatched it all four today because it takes like 20 25 minutes to watch the whole thing hmm. and was still like laughing out loud at some of the like <laughs> improv lines and and ways that they just nailed the tone that they were going for that's awesome. I, I honestly do miss the the network yeah. since it, oh, since they let it go. I I, I, I that was the half the reason you know, and probably ninety percent of why people had the network was for the pay per views. I mean, if anybody was still paying sixty bucks for a pay per view at that point, I mean, you're living under a rock. Well, so 
I I even did this thing, which like I guess I could still try to finish it, but like Peacock is just one of the worst apps to like navigate yeah. through. But at, yeah, <laughs> at, at the time, at the time with the network, I was very late to wrestling. I so I grew up watching wrestling as a kid for a little bit, but I tapped out in like '95, so mm-hmm. I missed all of the Attitude Era. I missed oh, all of the ruthless oh. aggression era. I didn't get back into wrestling until I was booking shows, and a lot of the bands that I were booking were wrestling fans. So, like, right. I would hear them all talking about wrestling, and I started watching it on Hulu, and I was like, "This is stupid." Was my first thought, <laughs> and then I saw Bray Wyatt for the first time, and I was like, "Who is this?" Because like, I am a horror dude. So yeah, I was yeah. like. Yeah. I was like, I need to know more about this guy. So then I was like, basically like hate watching, except for when the Bray Wyatt segments would come up. And then his first four vignettes of his promos were incredible. Incredible. And then I just became fully sucked into all of it. Like I was like, oh, I want to know more about the shield. Like, oh, the CM Punk guy seems pretty popular. Like I was just getting pulled (laughs) into like all the different stuff. So when the network dropped, I was like, I'm going to watch all of it. I'm going to start on the first episode of Raw. And then when it comes time for WCW to kick in, I'm going to start alternating between. And I got through like about four years. I got from like 93 into about 97. And then the network went away. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to try to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) On That's dedication to just be like, okay, I'm going back like four or yeah. five years that, and that's the best thing about the network they had that you can go you can actually do that they yeah. had every monday night raw they had wcw stuff that you can actually go back and watch a lot of those things they, and catch up like if you missed it you know i'm sure so i've searched a few things on peacock and i'm sure a lot of it is on there but like it was just so much easier to search on the network yeah. my favorite thing that i would do so when i when the network first dropped i was kind of living a very similar life to what I'm living right now, which was like a freelance, lots of part-time odd jobs type life. And at that point, my biggest money-making thing was dog walking. So mm-hmm. I would wake up at like 9 a.m. and I would walk dogs until about one in the mo- in the afternoon. And then I wouldn't be needed until like 4 or 5 p.m. for like the people who need it like a second stop. Yeah. So... I got really accustomed to like a midday nap. Like I would like come home at like one and take like a nice two hour nap. And I would literally just put my laptop on like a little dinner, like, you know, like the TV dinner tray Mm -hmm. type deals that our parents had. I would set my laptop on and I would just click into the network because they had a nonstop live stream of stuff happening. So if you didn't know what to watch, you could just click into it and it'd be like television with no commercials. Pretty much. At the time that I was taking these naps, at one o'clock on the network, they would always play le- these old episodes of Legends of Wrestling, which were like these two, three hour long, like round table discussions where it was like Mean Gene, Dusty Rhodes, like all of like the biggest names in wrestling. And they would be given a topic of like greatest managers. And they would just have like this three hour conversation about like the greatest managers and why they were the greatest manager. And, yeah. and it was like, kind of soothing to like lay and listen to these dudes talk. And then I would just kind of like drift into sleep for a little bit and then like come, you know, they'd play like a clip and there'd be like a loud bang. And I'd kind of like start myself out of the nap and then like drift back into sleep. And that was for like two months. That was like my process. Every (laughs) midday was like, 
having a nap, listening to the sweet, sultry sounds of Dusty Rhodes and Mean Gene argue about like the <laughs> biggest blunders in wrestling history. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. And right before you mentioned the network, I was literally thinking about, oh my God, I paid for the network, like basically just for the pay-per-views, but also yeah. for, for NXT before it went on television because yeah. it was, mm-hmm. it was such good, Whoopsie. right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, good. Do you remember? <laughs> I was just telling someone the other day that one of the best things I ever witnessed was on NXT and it was, um, if you remember, it was the the match between uh, I want to say it was Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor, and they were yeah. the opening match of the night. And the way that they did it was it was like, all right, guys, we're kicking it off with a championship match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor. Followed by that, we're going to have a women's match between you know Carmella and Alexa Bliss, and then of course the tag team champions are going to come out here and like the match keeps going and going and going. And all of a sudden on the commentary, like, all right, we just got word from the back. We can't stop this match until we have a definitive winner. So unfortunately the tag team match, that's going to have to happen next week. We're hoping that this ends in time for us to see that women's match later on today. And it was a full hour long match that they just like (laughs) the commentary guys sold every beat of it. Like, Hey man, we're, we're hopefully, hopefully this, Oh, we just got word from the back. Tune in next week in order to see that women's match because we cannot stop the action. Like it was the coolest throwback yeah. to like how wrestling used to be in the eighties where it felt real for yeah. the first time where you're just like, Oh man, this match, like they're going past their time limit. They need to get a winner. Like we need to watch this. <laughs> and Jim well, actually and that- got me into watching NXT. He he <laughs> was really into watching NXT and he's like, dude, you, you need to start like, looking at some of these guys and that was when you were just saying like the Shinsuke Nakamura's and Finn Balor's and Samoa Joe's and all uh, Sami Zayn everybody was you know just getting their uh, pops from there and you know I I think I turned on a takeover and I'm like whoa like yeah people need to be watching this the first NXT thing I ever saw was just a regular episode of NXT actually and it was um, a best two out of three falls match between Cesaro and Sami Zayn Mm. All I remember was that Uh, there was a point where they collide and like, I don't even know how to describe what I saw, Anthony. It was like they did a full like 360 in the air that ended with a power bomb. And I don't know how it was physically possible for two dudes to have like that much control. Yeah. Cesar is a a freak of nature, though. Yeah. And he'll do amazing when he eventually shows up at AEW where he belongs. Where he belongs. Exactly. Exactly. I I still don't know how he stayed in WWE and they just didn't want to try to push him into not even like he, he definitely deserved a WWE title run, but even just giving him more credit than what he deserved. Like the dude could work. Well, but just, here's, here's the thing that never made sense to me with Cesaro, because I think that Cesaro could, from what I understand, they saw him in the same vein that they see a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens, which is like, neither one of those dudes is anyone that they're going to put the main belt on. Right. But they're trusted guys that they can put pretty much any celebrity with and trust that like the celebrities in safe hands and that they'll be able to pull a good match out of a non wrestler. Right. And it's like, right. But like the difference is that 
Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are getting TV time for being able to do that. Cesaro wasn't even on television for months on end for no explainable reason. Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I, be- I, <laughs> go ahead, Jim. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it's because he was talented in the ring, but had no personality otherwise. Like, it, it blew my mind that he started getting steam and people had the Cesaro section signs, right? Yeah. And, like, the cameras were going to them. Like, they were they were clearly like trying to give him opportunity. The the guy, I, I feel like he's just so dedicated to the craft of wrestling itself that like, he's not one to like have a character. You know what I mean? Like, are you familiar with Chikara? I mean, it's not a company anymore, but it was a Philly based company. Mm-mm. So he cut his teeth in Chikara and Chikara is wild <laughs> like Chikara mm. is like like well I mean it was the the owner uh turns out was not such a great dude and uh it no longer works in the wrestling industry but um it was like g-rated but like over the top lucha wrestling and they mm. would do some of the wildest goofiest stuff that I've ever seen and that's where Cesaro got his start in a tag team called Los Ice Creams. And it was <laughs> two guys literally dressed as giant human ice cream cones. So like their suits were like clown suits. And then they wore a lucha mask that was like an ice cream flavor with a cone popping out of the top of their head. <laughs> but like he would do stuff where they would like pull out a bag of sprinkles. Like it was a bag of uh, uh, thumbtacks. They would pour it out on the ring. And then just like any time, as the the old wrestling rule is, usually if you're the one that's putting the thumbtacks in the ring, more likely than not, you're the one that's going to take the thumbtacks. Yeah. So these these two ice cream characters would pour the sprinkles all over the, the ring. And then they would eventually get body slammed into it and they would sell it like death. They would be <laughs> all over the place. Like it was, it was so funny. And like, that's where like Ruby riot got her start in Chikara yeah. as Heidi Lovelace. Uh, like mm. I saw, I went to a show. Um, this was right before he made his WWE debut, but I went to a show where it was uh team Lucha versus team elite. And it was just in like a school gymnasium in Harrisburg. <laughs> and it was, um, uh, I'm trying Phoenix. Uh, I forget what the dragon's name was, but it was the Phoenix and his brother, the Lucha brothers from AEW, and this other Lucha wrestler that were all on Lucha underground. And it was against, uh, the young bucks and AJ styles. And this was wow. like literally two weeks before the rumble where AJ debuted, Oh, that's wow. awesome. And it was that's just great. awesome. And it was literally just like 200 people, maybe they're watching this, this match. Um, and it was a weekend long event. So it was Friday night was the first round. Saturday night was the second round. And then Sunday morning into the afternoon was the finals. Hmm. And AJ styles in like just some of the most brilliant storytelling uh, improv possible is like lucha ropes are really slick. Like they are super slick. So mm-hmm. during his first match, he jumped up on it and slipped off. He botched. He just fell straight <laughs> off the, the top rope. So the second night, 
the whole match, he wouldn't use the top rope. Like every time he would climb up and he would look at it and then he would step down and do the moves from the second rope. And like the crowd kept cheering for him to, to take a risk and get on the third, <laughs> the top rope and he just wouldn't do it. And then of course the final match where they win the tournament of these championships, he climbs to the top rope and everyone's cheering for him. And he does <laughs> like, like it was like, it was so perfect. And it's like, that's how you take a mess up. And then you're like, this is going to become a three day long storyline for the people at the attending. This there you event go. Now. <laughs> like, that's, that's why he's one of the best in the world, man. Wow. Oh my God. It, that same show or no, it was the next year. They, they would do every year. It was the, uh, the, the tournament of trios was what it was called. Um, hmm. But they, they would always bring out like the big guns and Sean Whitman. Speaking of uh, Scott Hall, Sean, Sean Whitman was like, yeah, huge with Chikara. He loved Chikara. He would come out and do like any Chikara event. And like I said, Chikara was super G rated. Hmm. So there was this whole thing where he was asked to be in a tag team match, but he didn't have a tag team partner. And all of a sudden you hear in the background, like, Oh, you didn't know. And all of a sudden Billy Gunn comes walking out. Nice. But Billy Gunn does the suck. And, and Sean Whitman's like, no dude, I know this sounds crazy, but this is the one place where they don't want you to do that. And, and the whole crowd just starts chanting, please say sorry. He goes, please say sorry. Yeah, that's great. It was, I, you got, I you got a line wrestling fans in that type of way, though. Dude, dude. that's, that, I mean, when you're just having fun with it, that's yeah. when it's at its best. Like that's the best time. And, and you got to shut off your brain. Like I have so much fun watching the rumble because I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Like me and my friends get a bunch of sheets of paper with numbers one through 30 written on it. And we all throw in money and draw numbers. And if hmm. your number wins and it just puts so much more fun into it. Cause then yeah. when you've got like some jobber that, you know, is not going to win. You're you're giving it your all though. You're cheering them on like like right. maybe like maybe Vince has woken up that morning and was just <laughs> like, you know what? I think it's time one half of the ascension goes to the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it's> like, who? <laughs> like, yeah. Who? Who? No, who? no I, I know. I know. Um, the Rumble six years ago. Uh, 2016 was when Roman had to defend the belt in the rumble. He gets eliminated. So we know, okay, we're definitely getting a new champion. And it's like, it's down to triple H and Dean Ambrose and everyone's pulling for Dean. And, yeah. and we're all like, nah, we know that like, we know triple H is getting it, but what if, and like that, yeah. that's, that's like the exciting part. But like, you know, even when it's like, okay, Triple H wins. He's the champion. We're getting Roman to beat him at Mania. Like it was super predictable. Um, I feel like the last few years have been a little bit more out of the box where I feel like, and I think it helps when you do the brand split because you really don't know. You're like, are they, is, is the rumble build going to be based on the rumble or is it going to be based on the elimination chamber? So like you kind of hmm. have like three or four people in your mind that you're like, okay, well if it's, if they want to 
do the SmackDown title storyline for Mania in the Rumble, then it's going to be this guy or this guy probably. But, you know, if they're going to the Raw story, it could be this guy and this guy. So you're kind of paying attention like your four main picks. But I feel like every Rumble, there's always a, a at least one person in there who you know has been kind of like the mid-card guy that you always feel like could be a main eventer. And they're in there for so long that there's like that little part of you that's like, ooh, yeah, is this the moment? Are they are they right. about to are they about to elevate this guy to the next tier? Because that would be amazing. And that's that's all I want. I just want one year where they really do just take a take a risk. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I would yeah. love for the year that like a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens wins the Rumble because it would be so out of left field, but it also a lot be of people like, thought KO was going to win. Yeah. You're just year. like, you know what? Hell yeah. It's about time. Let's do this. Right. Well, I, I mean, and, and the big one for me and the, I mean, Anthony and I did our rumble picks. What was it like episode five? I don't know how, how many weeks ago it was. It, it was yeah, one it was of the five or six earlier like that, yeah. episodes, yeah. four or five or six. And I, I made my, picks like for who I thought was going to win the rumble. And I was like, I think Ronda Rousey's returning and they're going to do that. Cause they were taught. There were talks that she was back training again. And then I was like, I think Brock is going to lose the belt and then enter the rumble. And then, and, and like, it just, it was, yeah, you nailed it. My, yeah, I, he, he was a hundred percent on that night. <laughs> my, yeah. uh, my buddy Dylan, my, my buddy Dylan, uh, he didn't want to spoil anything for anybody. So all he did was write down his guesses on a sheet of paper and he put it underneath the television. <laughs> and, and then it was like, as soon as Ronda Rousey won, he just pulled the slip of paper out and held it up in the air. <laughs> like, Ronda Rousey to win. And then he pulled out the next one that's like, Brock will win. <laughs> it was, it was too predictable yeah. this time around, man. I, I mean, I, 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 I would I say it. for me, I was like, it wasn't predictable until the second Brock's music hit. And then I was like, yeah. well, there I know go. where this is going to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once he got in there, you knew I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty much your winner there. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see. I didn't necessarily see that they were, I didn't think only because I thought that they were going to say, okay, we're not going to do title versus title unification. Like I didn't think that they were going to do that. Like I, I kind of saw where like they could do it, but I was like, well, no, because they need to, they need to have the one belt to elevate one of the other matches on the card. I didn't think that they were just going to go all in on that match. Um, but, but I'm okay with it. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I've been saying since the very first brand split that the dumbest thing that they did was like, well, now we have a, a raw women's and a SmackDown women's title and we have a raw tag team. And it's like, I think that there should be tag team women's and then a, a general belt. And then, you know, you can have like the brand specific belt could be like intercontinental is exclusively a SmackDown belt and like yeah. us title is exclusively a raw belt. But then I think if you're the tag team champion, the women's champion or the like overall WWE champion, you, you float between both shows. You're doing yes. double duty and yep. it's anybody's chance to get that belt. Like that's 100%. just compelling storytelling then because yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's anybody's game. 
there's more variables to play with there. Yeah. There's more yeah, variables, I, especially because it's like you can't do the I look, I am all for like NXT specifically was at a point where they could have done some amazing stuff with mm-hmm. a women's tag team belt. But like you brought up a women's you you had a women's tag team belt at a time where like your roster had about 12 women on it. Like it didn't make any sense to introduce that belt with such a thinned out yeah. roster. Like it was just, yeah. there was so many weird changes. And I was, I was literally venting to my friend Dylan about this the other day. Like the most frustrating thing right now with watching WWE is that based on pure talent, they have the best roster in any wrestling company. They have oh, yeah, yeah. the best the best they people do. they could be work with. They have some of the best writers they've ever had. It's just two, I would say one to two people up top making these wild last second calls. And it's just like, dude, Vince, just sell the company. Like, I yeah. get it. You don't, your heart's not in this anymore. Like, sell it to someone who is because whatever the ideas that he thinks are going to work are, they haven't been working. They haven't been compelling. Like I, I almost hate that I haven't watched raw for two years and haven't missed it. I should be like, man, I can't believe I'm missing all this great action, but I don't feel like I'm missing a damn thing. That's what we felt uh, the last couple of months. Like we stopped, we stopped watching raw and like, we just were like you said, like we, when we didn't watch it, we're like, we don't, really feel bad about missing it because we didn't feel like we missed anything there's plenty there, of channels that'll has, fill it they'll they'll tell you the three hours that you could have watched in 15 minutes the next morning and you're like got yeah, it okay and, and we talked about this on previous episodes <laughs> but the fact is like there there's nothing compelling to keep you or want you to watch it just like in the attitude era there was always something every week to make you want to watch the show where now it's like either it's predictable or there's nothing that's drawing you to watch the show. There's nothing uh, other than being like, okay, we're just going to bring back legends that were back from uh so-called era or to bring back in views because the roster we have now, we don't feel is bringing up the views. So we're just going to keep on bringing back legends that works to an extent until you start seeing like, okay, well I see what they're doing now. So it's like, they're not, uh, and you can say that it's all creative, but then I was thinking the same. I was talking to Jim about this uh, a couple days ago. Is the fact that because uh, we were watching Vince McMahon on the Pat McAfee show, and uh, you know, saying the fact that you know when he was talking a lot about uh, you know the company, and everything you got to think, you know, sometimes or maybe it was the Brock episode that you know he was saying that there's got to be somebody that has to step up. And that's the thing, yeah. like they're they're I mean, other than like Roman and all the guys that are on the top tier, but you know, there's nobody that's trying to outdo themselves and say, Hey, how do I, I, I so get how do I get a, people in, in the stands? I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree street, with though. you. That's, I was gonna say it's a two-way street. street right now because it seems like the people who do try to voice their opinions are all released now. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, like it's and, it, I and don't that's think the that, other side of the circle, too. Yeah, and that's the thing, is like I've heard and and I, I realize I'm kind of probably just parroting something else that was said on Codaholic, but you know, like the days of like you just being able to walk into Vince's office and pitching him an idea to show you how passionate you are about it are gone. So it's like Go away, you, buddy. You can't you can't <laughs> talk to the main guy in charge to get a better 
chance at things. You're not allowed to do off the script promos. You're, <laughs> you're not no. allowed to like, well, like, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the, this isn't something I would write. But, uh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> and then you look at what's happening on AEW, like the few times that I've watched AEW, which again is like only really pay-per-views, but like, you have a dude like MJF go out there and you're like, this guy is not reading off a script. This dude no. is pulling straight from his dome and you can feel that energy and yeah. you can feel the difference between someone who's speaking straight from here and using their wrestling mind to create words and someone who's trying to just like remember the, the bullet yeah. points that they were handed five minutes the, before they walked out there. The Eddie Kingston promo with CM Punk that yeah. one time. I haven't heard a promo like that in a while. And and again, going back to what I just said, I I don't even know this guy. I mean, I uh, to the point where I know a lot of people do, but I mean, there's a couple people in the AEW that I'm like, I'm not too on the shelf of, but I'm like, I turned it on and I saw CM Punk. I'm like, I know CM Punk, but I'm like, okay, Eddie Kingston, I've heard the name, but let me just, you know, step in and see what this guy's all about. And he's cutting that promo. I'm like, Okay, let me turn this up a little bit. He's he's yeah. starting to, you know, say a little something and then he's getting into it. And I'm like, okay, this is about to go down. Like it made me want to watch. Yeah. Well, and that's it, I mean <laughs> to again against and I, I know that this is like the same opinions that people have had for the last five years. Right. Like we were just talking about how great NXT was. And like you just have to look at any person's call up from NXT and what happens when like they go from a place where they kind of had control over their character to someone who doesn't want them to have control over their character. Like yeah. Tyler Breeze should have been a superstar. He was great in the ring. He was charismatic. He was funny. That character was fully fleshed out. Like there was so much good about it and they just didn't know what he was. So they mm. gave him like a two week push and then we're like, man, he's not working. And then right. just like, threw him into like the opening act before raw goes on television slot. Like, and you saw it happen with the Ascension. You saw it happen with killer cross. Like all of these dudes were just yeah. like, how do you drop the ball this hard? What, how is, how is Finn Balor? Not like the top baby face in yes. WWE. You know because I mean? he, like, he, he got injured when they put the universal strap the on universal him and they were title. like injury prone. Yeah, injury prone. Yeah. 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 Get yeah. him out of here. Yeah. I mean, but how I, do like you, you brought how up do Killer you, Cross? Yeah. How do you screw up? Like, this is going to be really salty, but like, how <laughs> do you screw up Big E's championship run? And now the dude might have to retire. Like, yeah. This is like, how do you fumble that? Like, like mm -hmm. he's, he's here, nothing but a powerhouse with charisma. Like, here, like, that should be the easiest and, home run. And here's my thing they had the belt on Bobby Lashley for as long as they did. And then they put it on Big E. Finally, granted it was a cash in, but Bobby Lashley is boring as fuck. Okay. But you're, you're going to let Big E lose the belt in how long like yeah. that, that baffled me. And he barely got um, a chance to like do anything. You never saw him win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I mean, you said Killer Cross, and that was a, literally the one that right. was on my mind. I was like, "How?" I was just thinking how, of that too. Like, why did they put the the pyramid head helmet on that him? Was so stupid. And, and, and then, how did you not bring Scarlet out with him? 
I mean, also, also, you even look at the tag division. How did you screw up American Alpha? How did you screw up? You know, I mean, like, how did you screw up? um, God, I can't even remember what their names are now because I think of them as FTR. But like the uh, the, Uh, 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 shoot, uh, the revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the revival. revival. How do you screw up the revival? Like the I literally. American Alpha and the Revival were the were stealing matches in NXT. Like you would watch what? takeovers and you'd be like, like, and I'm not even that big on tag team wrestling, but you'd be watching it and be like, yo, these guys are stealing the show right now. And then yeah. they get moved to the main roster and they're given two minutes to try to wow a crowd that doesn't know who they are with no build. Like how do right. how are you supposed to win in that? And and the thing <laughs> is, is is Vince is not for tag teams and that's why no no but the, the tag division on the main roster is trash all the time um he's not he's have, not for tags he's not for women wrestling he's not for cruiserweights <laughs> like, no so, clearly like, clearly they so had it's the just whole the bunch, oh 205 live was like some of the best stuff that they were producing but no one was watching it <laughs> yeah no nope. yeah. like it was yeah uh, no it's it's been a fumble the whole time he he literally no one misses the eighties more than Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That dude. I was just going to say like he, he is trying to hold on to the buff, you know, yeah. The mega power, mega power dudes (laughs) so much that he's like, uh, and that's, I think that's why we don't see, you know, the Finn Balor's, the ricochets and a lot of those guys that should be at the top level and be main eventing because he doesn't, feel that like the style of that is you know not necessarily marketable but like you know he he's still like you said he's still in that like oh muscle and you know everything else before you know stylistic stuff and yeah you know again there's again two-way street with it but no, you know sure, it's, but- it's just his mindset that he can't get out of that so orange cassidy has all the power to be the most iconic wrestler of the the 2020s like, I genuinely believe mm-hmm. that if he was in WWE, Vince wouldn't know what the hell to do with this guy. No, he'd, he'd be sitting. He'd, he'd be sitting in catering. Let's be serious. Yeah, like, yeah, he'd be, he'd be, be running that around gets doing the 24 seven championship. Called in. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he'd be, he'd be running around with the 24 seven champion trying to catch that damn belt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, he is so funny and does so minimal, so little, yeah. but is like also incredible like watching the things that he does with his hands firmly in his pockets is absolutely astounding to me the, ge- yeah. the gentle kicks the gentle yeah. kicks <laughs> it's it's it kills yeah can we, anyway do we um, want to talk about other stuff besides wrestling <laughs> i mean i think we could go on and on about it i just wanted right. to acknowledge i just wanted to acknowledge real quick buddy murphy versus mustafa ali uh Yep. God, they they had such fantastic matches. And then I think my favorite to date NXT match is actually um Johnny Gargano versus Andrade in Philly on, on that yeah. Philly takeover. That was yeah. I've I've watched that back multiple times. Um There's so many good takeover and, and, matches. And 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 uh Matt, I just wanted to get your take. Uh, and and we'll get out of wrestling after this, I think, uh, okay. unless if we don't. <laughs> um, but what did you think about 
how they introduced Adam Cole and then they had the Daniel Bryan debut directly after. Do you think that there's a problem with that? Like they should have separated them or were you okay with it? I so as me not watching AEW and just watching the pay-per-views, it did get it got a reaction out of me. I yeah, was like, yeah, oh, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that was like, uh, yep. oh, like the, this is, it was the first time it was like, oh, the, the war is happening. Like yeah. the, yep. the shots have officially been fired. Um, I think they did something really, really smart in, in the most recent one where it's like, cause I don't count the William Regal appearance as like an authentic, like, Hey, we've signed these new talents type thing. Uh, I think right. it was time AEW ended a pay-per-view where they didn't have some big out of nowhere, like crossover debut. Like it was very much just down the middle. These are our guys. This is their pay-per-view because yeah. that was really like, I was, I was getting to the point where I was just expecting it every single pay-per-view. Like I was like, all right, when's like the big right. WWE dude showing up? Like, uh-huh. yeah. um, so I think it was time that they right. broke that. Uh, and I'll just throw this out there. My fi- I think my favorite match that I've ever watched um, in, especially in the last 10 years was the very first cruiserweight championship thing where they do, did like a three day thing on the network. And it was the very first time that WWE had Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa mm. wrestle each other. And it was when they were still tag team partners and friends. And uh, there okay. was, it was such a well done emotional match because you're literally watching at this point, two dudes who love each other, but also want to win this tournament, just brutalizing each other. And there's so many moments that have that, like Sean, it almost has that Sean Michaels, like, I'm sorry. I love you moment in both of their eyes, the entire match. So uh, if you haven't seen that one, because man, did they do those matches to death after a while? They, there was always a chance for Johnny and Tommaso to, go at each other but that very first match on the on the network i remember being magical to me Hmm. yeah i know i know they did the cruiserweight tournament and then i remember someone coming up at ringside and handing triple h the black sack and then he ripped out the purple bell from it and i was like yeah yes they're gonna make something of the cruiserweight division and then vince was just like I'm going to take a giant dump on that too, because it wasn't my yeah. idea, you know, <laughs> so, many um, good, right. so many good dudes that came out of that tournament too. It was yeah. unbelievable. And, and it's exactly what we were just talking about. Vince is just trapped in the eighties with the big guys. And he's like, anything else that's not making me money. Like they can go over to other promotions. And I'm just like, I just want to watch good wrestling. And if you're smaller and have agility and can move and like, I, I don't need David to see and Goliath story. I'm all for it. I'm all for Me a too. little agile dude going up against the big, strong guy. Like, yeah. 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 I, I mean, how many small guys have won the big one other than like Ray Mysterio, which like that was fantastic. Like right. every, everybody it, was mean, down with that. That happened because of a tragedy <laughs> that would have yeah. never happened if not for Eddie's death, which is uh-huh. upsetting and unfair. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, Okay, enough wrestling talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got our wrestling, uh, you know, fill in there. Yeah, we, I don't think we expected to go that far, but yeah, I mean, nah, we just you cool. follow where uh, the where the story goes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but Matt, I mean, our whole thing was the fact that uh, you know you you were known as the Delco Podcast King. <laughs> <laughs> and, and wait, wait, I I, I gotta um. I got a zero back here because I don't think that I mentioned this on a previous episode. 
I was at the dentist getting a cleaning done. <laughs> and uh-huh. yeah, I, right. I, I think I think Anthony was right before we were getting ready to film our first episode. Yeah. And I was like, um, you know, my buddy Anthony and I uh are, are getting ready to start up a podcast. And um I I forget if 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 it was this first I think it was, um, I think I mentioned podcasts and she said, Oh, do you know Matt Kelly? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I went to high school with him. He graduated a year before me. He's like, or, or not. He, she said, Oh yeah. Like he's like kind of the podcast King of Delaware County. You know, I was like, I know he does podcasts, but like, uh, again, I'm just getting into the pod world, like quite a bit. Um, but I, I I mentioned something about Anthony and fishing. Oh, I think Aunt, we were going fishing too. She was yeah. like, wait, wait a minute. Anthony Irvin? I was like, yeah, you know him? <laughs> she goes, <laughs> my husband's been fishing with him before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no way. I'm getting my teeth clean. This girl knows who Matt Kelly is. And she knows who Anthony is via her husband <laughs> fishing with him. It was just like a really small world kind of moment. Um, but again, I got into the podcast world just through uh, the wrestling podcast, which I think is how we got into the wrestling talk. Um, yeah. But Anthony, Anthony and I, after that one ended, got into Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura and Burke Kreischer. And then we've basically just been spidering out from there. So yeah. um, Matt, I know... I know you have the um, the horror movie podcast that yep. actually uh, my buddy um, Matt Holland um, very active in our Facebook group. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, yeah. Well, he's a super horror movie buff. Um, yes, he uh, and and admittedly, I'm not very into horror movies. He invited me in, uh, and I, I follow up on some stuff, and uh, but I, I'm that's not my area of expertise by any means. Like my parents weren't into it. So I wasn't raised with it. Um, and I, I never went out of my way for it. Um, I, I can tell you some of the ones that I had seen, uh, I dated someone who was very, very into horror movies. And actually my current girlfriend is super into horror movies as well. Like she's, she's got me to watch a few things and we could talk about those too. But, uh, Matt, we, we actually wanted to get, um, your take on like how you got into the podcast world, like, like how you were introduced and how you transitioned in and, 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 and where you started and how quickly that you took off with it. So, I mean, I honestly think it, it weirdly starts all the way back in high school in a weird way. Um, because I think, because I think in high school, as both of you knew, I was like Mr. TV studio. Right. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I think anybody who thought of the TV studio, they they would think me. I was yes. I was in there first thing in the morning. I was there after school. I was usually renting cameras. Um, and then even after high school, I was at I I just loved conversation. I loved it so much. And I and I was just obsessed with like capturing conversation and that's why i had such a draw to film i wanted to make movies i wanted to write scripts kevin smith was like a god to me because i was like this dude's writing movies where people talk like people talk 
Like, like it's, <laughs> it's not like this weird, like, Oh, I must save the day. Like, it's just like two dudes just hanging out talking about comic books. And I'm like, you can make movies like that. Like you can, <laughs> you can write things that are just conversational. And that was mind blowing to me. So I always had my camera with me and Anthony, I know you experienced this firsthand, but like when, when there were shows happening in Delaware County, I was always there camera in hand. I was documenting every performance. I would just interview people about Uh the shows. We would go out to like Tom Jones and I would just film so many Tom Jones nights. Yeah. Like I was, (laughs) but I was always documenting stuff. And, and this was before I knew what a podcast was. I mean, I guess in my brain, I was like, maybe I'll be a documentary filmmaker. Like I didn't really Uh know what was, what was going on, but I knew that that was like, I was drawn to like capture conversation. Like that was like really exciting to me and capture like a moment in time. Uh Uh, And then I was in college. It was my sophomore year and I got my first laptop. I had, I had had, you know, Mac desktops pretty much as soon as I was in high school because they were great for editing. And I had a connection with a (laughs) Apple store where someone could get me their employee discount on a laptop. So they got me uh, a brand new laptop for a really good price. And I had, I don't know how I had heard of podcasting, but I, on, on iTunes was a podcasting tab. And I was like, Oh, let me check out this podcasting thing that I I've heard of. Uh And like, I subscribed to a couple shows. Only one of them I still listen to, which was Geekscape. I, I've okay. looked at, and at the time there was like maybe 30 podcasts in the world. <laughs> like there wasn't a lot going on there. So yeah. I subscribed to a bunch of different podcasts that were like tied to like movies or music. And I just happened to find this Geekscape show and uh, they were only three episodes into their show. And I'm watching the host of this show interviewing his friend and very quickly from context clues, I picked up that they were both music video directors and that they liked the same music that I did. Cause they were referencing like the get up kids and like all of these bands and they kept talking about LA. So I'm like, all right, they're living in LA. They like this type of music, music video directors. Got it. I'm enjoying the conversation. And then he brings up this band. Don't look down. And like, don't look down was a local punk band. Like they were a Philly punk band, but like they were like racing kites. You know what I mean? Like they weren't on a major label. They very rarely played outside of like the main, like they, they definitely toured the United States, but it was clear that like where people went to see them was in the Philadelphia area. So Uh then like the obsessive compulsive person I am, I'm like, how does this guy know? Don't look down. And <laughs> so I literally tracked him down on MySpace and was like, hi, I just discovered your podcast. How do you know? Don't look down. <laughs> and we had this conversation. Oh, I went to college in Philly. And like we started talking through that. And and that was Jonathan, who's like kind of my I have, I guess, technically two businesses, but he's one of my business partners now, like 15 years after the fact. But I started talking to him and he's like, you should just start a podcast. Like, it's fun. That's what I did. I'm loving it. You should do it too. So for a couple of years, I kept doing these different podcasts with my old roommate Shrop. And it would be literally what I was already doing. We would take a camera and we would go to like live shows and we would get permission to like interview the bands after the shows and we would film it. And we would, Mm. there wasn't a YouTube yet. 
right. or if there was, it was like very new. You weren't putting very, up very new yeah. podcasts. So <laughs> we literally, you would download the videos on iTunes. Um, and by you would download, I mean, I would download because I'm pretty sure I was the only subscriber to the podcast. But <laughs> like <laughs> we would do these like, I, I used to always say that I had done 19 podcasts before I had a good one because we would do like six episodes run, six episode runs of a show and then be like, this sucks. No one likes this. And then we'd give up. And then like a month or two later, we'd feel the itch to do something else and we would start a new thing. So we kept doing these little pet projects. Um, and then I started doing the St. Mort show. And that was like kind of okay. the first podcast that stuck. And I know, Anthony, you were on a couple episodes of the St. Mort show. And yeah. That evolved in a bunch of different ways. Like the original idea is still, I think, a great idea for a podcast. But uh, for someone way more ambitious than me, was that the St. Mort show was um, a fake late night talk show that I produced every week that had two guests and a musical guest all in 45 minutes with a series of fake commercials and an opening monologue. <laughs> um, and it was so much work to produce that I think that that format lasted about 20 episodes before I was like, I need to just sit down and talk to people because this is like <laughs> too much. Um, right. and that was kind of my beginning in like interview shows and it, it had its ups and downs. It was back in those days. It was so hard to gauge listenership online. Like I couldn't iTunes was not letting you know what your listenership was like. I had no real way of knowing how well an episode was doing. So it was kind of a weird time to be a podcaster. Um, right. And I started using Reddit a lot more to promote my stuff. So I could like post interviews on there and see what happens. And that's kind of where the horror podcast all kicked off was uh -huh. that I was doing the horror podcast and uh, I was doing St. Mort show and I was on Reddit's horror page and someone was like, we should start a movie club where we like watch a movie together. And I uh -huh. was like, we could turn it into a podcast. And we started this separate page uh -huh. on Reddit, Reddit horror club. And we would let people pick movies and we would discuss the movies. And I was producing the podcast with a, a friend, Miguel, who was my first like real co co-host. And we did like maybe 50, 60 episodes before Miguel was like, I love doing this, but my schedule's too crazy. And through doing Reddit horror club, I had befriended these two dudes, Scott and Adam. And I was like, well, I'm just going to have Scott and Adam fill in then. And immediately there was like this chemistry. I was like, oh, okay, we got this. Like the, like we were, we were vibing. The only thing that sucked was that people wanted to talk about good movies and we weren't having fun talking about the good movies nearly as much as we were having fun when the movie was awful. So <laughs> we decided that we weren't going to do Reddit Horror Club anymore and we were going to start our own thing, which was Horror Movie Night. And like, I don't know how the stars aligned on this, but we were one of the first podcasts to start utilizing SoundCloud at the time. Hmm. Um, so we had Geekscape had like gotten a deal with SoundCloud that like they were trying to break into podcasting. So they were giving us free premium accounts. Um, wow. But just like to me and the other two shows on the network. And 
our third episode of horror movie night soundcloud put on their front page to promote wow. that they had podcasts so like we went from like our first two episodes had like maybe 200 listens to that episode had like twenty thousand listens on it there and you go. it just kind of that was that'll, like that'll all of a sudden it. people knew who mm -hmm. i was and horror movie night kind of was like the little engine that could and and we're getting we're getting near our eighth year of being a podcast um literally next month we're going to be recording episode 350 so like we were we were trucking wow. along doing the show weekly we've never missed a week i'm very proud of that for us um but as i was doing horror movie night i started having these moments where i'd be like driving home from work and i'd have an idea for a podcast and i'd be like ah you don't you don't have time to to do another podcast. <laughs> I mean, now I'm now I'm the co-host of six podcasts that come out weekly. So like <laughs> the clearly I could do more than just one podcast. Uh, but that was kind of that was right around in like 2019 was when I was starting to dip my toe into the idea of like I could have a couple shows mm -hmm. and I could produce some people's shows and I could do editing and like that really blew open the floodgates even more and like now as big as horror movie night was now one hit thunder is almost a bigger show which is which is crazy and i mean we had like i mean we just made enemies out of almost the entire country of canada this past week with one hit thunder so like <laughs> and that's on and that's unbelievable and we're you know one hit thunder is actually you know don't want to get into too many details but a, a fairly big podcast network has shown a lot of interest in bringing us on to their mm. their network and you know we're talking to some pretty well-established people in the comedy world that want to be a part of the show now and very nice like things are just going really well with that show so it's it's pretty dope and you know i've got all these other shows that i think are coming together really well i have a new podcast i'm going to launch on april 1st but uh mm -hmm. i mean i'll give you guys the exclusive on that bad boy uh, awesome. it's going to, it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a weird owl podcast. That's, um, hosted uh, by, it's hosted by myself and the bassist from the band Weedus, uh, nice. that did, you know, teenage dirtbag, And it's just, wow. us, yes. and, it's, and it's us like, we're going to go song by song through his entire discography and rank our favorite songs. But I mean, we're talking about reaching out to like a lot of, pretty well-established comedians and musicians that he knows through being part of Weedus all these years. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think that that show is going to pop off. And honestly, if it means that I get to meet weird Al, like, heck yeah. Like, like that's like my, probably my number one celebrity I want to meet. So like, right. you know, I mean, for, if, from my, the, uh, you know, visions of, I know weird, weird Al has always been like one of your biggest influences so i did a whole set as weird al at a show exactly one time. <laughs> i remember that so that would be awesome if that would uh be a thing for you that actually came true for you now that'd be like a, a big big thing for you i wish i could remember who it was because it's someone it was someone that i became really good friends with after the fact but i didn't know them at the time and they had just told me this oh god it's gonna drive me nuts i don't remember who it is um, if you're listening and you know that it's you, I'm really sorry. Remind me, <laughs> but like I'm friends with a bunch of people that I didn't know back when we were doing those shows, but now I know them better now. And one of one person was like, the first time I ever saw you, you were doing a weird Al set 
at CN Skate Palace and I came in <laughs> and he's like, I legitimately just thought someone was playing a Weird Al record. You sounded so much like him doing Amish Paradise. And I was yeah. like, thank you. And like, you like you the- just sold it just to the fact that like you, you were definitely one of the guys like in, in those uh, shows that like you didn't you, you were obviously not like the the scene kids or the pop punk kids you were just one man show and just totally from outfield and you didn't care yeah but it was just one of those things that you know you went up there did your thing and even though if somebody was like where'd this all come from i thought we were like seeing all these bands and they just see this one guy dressed up as weird al and then start doing a whole weird al thing but not, like <laughs> that was just you. And I think that's what just made you unique and you were able to, and especially with the St. Mort stuff. Yeah. That was, that was one of the biggest compliments I ever got was, um, you know, for a while, Aston diner, uh, was a really great spot to hang out at, Mm. at night. Um, but you would always see like, if you were there on a certain night, you would always see the AA crowd roll in after their meeting at like, (laughs) at like 11 at night. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being from sun Valley, you would know a lot of the people that were rolling in in that group, which like uh-huh. no shade. Like, hey, I applaud anybody who like gets themselves sober and gets themselves out of that dark place. That's that yeah. should be celebrated. But I remember there was a kid who like I was never really bullied in high school. That was never like anything that happened with me. But I was kind of just like there. Um, But this kid who was like kind of seen as a maybe more of an aggressive bully ish type kid in my grade saw me sitting there and he walked over and he just sat down next to me for a little bit. And he was like, Hey man, I just got to tell you, I think about you a lot, man, because (laughs) somehow we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing when we were 16, but you were so sure of yourself and who you were as a person, even as like a teenager. Like, I just think that's insane. And in my mind, I'm like, I didn't have any clue who I was (laughs) like, but I think like you said, I just kind of, gave off that confidence of like, yeah, this is who I am. <laughs> like, Take it or leave it. I guess like I was in band. I mean, I was in the band that I was at the time, but I wasn't at that point where I thought I could be up there by myself and doing something of that type of caliber. I would have been like, uh, no, I'm definitely not. I'm cool with being Anthony, the secret the- was I couldn't get anyone to play the music with me. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have convinced someone to play bass and drums and do my weird stuff, I would have done it, but right. no one was willing to do it. So I was just, I was like, I know about six chords, but I can write 10 songs with them. So. Right. <laughs> and I think it's the fact that, you know, it was a beautiful thing back then because everybody was just wrapped up in the bands. Like, and like the, the, the scene, like we were saying when we were talking, the fact that we, we got to the point that around this area, you had bigger bands that were, uh, you know, trying to come through Aston Instead more than go Philly. to Philly. Yeah, it was, it was it was wild. It was insane. You know, we had August Burns Red that came to the CNC Palace, strong. which I uh, which four years strong, which I both those bands I deeply regret because now I'm a bigger fan of them now yeah. and looking back at that big flyer that they had on CN Skate Palace, I'm like, I really wish I would have seen them at their like you know before they got successful. I, I mean, I the booked, probably the coolest show I ever booked was the show that I booked with MC Lars. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not sure if you, were you at that one? It was at that, um, 
I want to say it was the Beechwood Fire, whatever the fire hall was um, on your way. Like if you're driving to New Jersey, you pass it through. I probably Aspen. wasn't at that one then. Yeah, no. I can't remember. Yeah, it was it was a bad area, but I did three yeah. shows there. And the last show that we did, MC Lars was the headliner. But I think I remember the show. I just don't think I went. We had booked Nitty Gritty, which was a rap group composed yeah. of dudes from the Kid Chris show. And they brought donkey lips from Salute Your Shorts to yes. the show. Yes, and he gave my brother that. Brian an awful waffle in the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild, dude. Like That was like one of those shows where it was like, we didn't have the world's biggest turnout. But like the people the who went to that show yes. still talk about that show. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> especially yeah, the, the people that used to just hang out at the shows. And I mean, I wasn't at every single show, but, uh, you know, the shows that I would go to, you just saw the community of people and just the, you know, it was a family to everybody. Yeah. Well, and that's, I'll say like the two, the two things that I'll pat myself on the back about a little bit is like, A, the same Mort thing, weirdly, like I watch some of the old videos still that I have of my sets. And it's like the fact that I, like you said, like it was all death metal bands and I would just walk up there with an acoustic guitar and I would control that room. Like that room was actually paying attention yeah, to what was they, happening. They really were. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's not even funny. Like they would just be hearing, you know, misdeed or myself my enemy coming in <laughs> and then the, the saint more and they would still be literally eyes glued on you i'm like you i don't know how know it, this guy's not gonna scream right yeah. <laughs> like i don't know how that but they were laughed that was the best part was they laughed like the yes. jokes hit like things that were supposed to be funny were funny i could never do it again like i think back to it where i'm like there was such a small window for what i was doing with saint mort to work and yeah. like that window was basements in Aston circa 2006, yeah. <laughs> 2008. Like it was not going to work anywhere else. But also like one of the things I was really proud of with Courts for Cure besides like raising all the money for charity that it did was like, I feel like I have talked to so many people who have very distinct memories of Courts for Your Cure shows because there was always such a variety to the music when you would come to it. Yes. Because like, and this is no or I, I guess we have to blank out name did amazing stuff it. with uh <laughs> 610 hardcore right like he had yeah. built this whole community around this hardcore music scene and this metal and this deathcore and like all of that but like with the chords for a cure stuff i'd be like i'm gonna book six bands maybe one will be like this you know misdeed band but then racing kites is going to be on the exact same show yeah playing their pop punk stuff and then i'm going to book punchy's pilot which is just a dude with like an acoustic guitar and accordion that sings goofy songs and, and nobody um, would care no they, one would care i they, they were there for the show from each genre would be listening to each of those people you yeah. wouldn't just be ha like you would have the guys that are in the pits They're like oh, okay well this band ain't gonna be you know uh that crazy so we're just gonna go out and smoke and then they'll come back but most of the people you know they would watch one band crowd around that band next band would come on that crowd would go right to the next one i mean it was almost like a miniature warp tour for sure <laughs> and i would bring in like i was the first person to book team goldie and delco i was the first person to book the sky life in delco and God, like man, these, these were bands, these are so many memories jesus yeah, but those were like oh. bands that like 
you know, I brought them in and nobody really knew who they were. And then yeah. shortly after that, they were kind of the headliner at local shows. Like you would put Team Goldie as your closer because you knew that people were coming just to see Team Goldie. Yeah. Um, so like it was kind of it was kind of cool to see ho- how that whole thing came to be because it we built and and I say we very very meaningfully like everybody AJ yeah. Matt like my you know I'll say his full name he's not going to care Matt Howard yeah. like all of the yeah. dudes in racing kites like yes. those shrop like those dudes helped build a full functioning music scene that like was a living breathing entity to a certain extent um and and really like did we did a lot of cool stuff and like i i remember one of the best bands i was so bummed because it was kind of towards the tail end of the shows working out i still sing the praises of the band march hair i'm not sure if you ever got to do a show with march hair anthony did you i don't think so i remember the band but i don't think I, i'm not sure if uh you know original sins was still playing no, at that point. if i had, if i had booked you with him it would have been a spoken life set for sure because yeah, it was so very late into it then, um yeah i'm not sure if i did the i I remember the name but i'm not sure if we were on the were, same bill they were the most talented band i have ever had the pleasure of knowing um it was this five-piece band from they they all met at uh tyler's art school in philadelphia uh-huh. and it was like this one dude who was a classically trained jazz drummer they had a bassist who played like a nine string like slap funk bass mm. they had this other dude who had this guitar pedal board that was like the size of a kitchen table of effects <laughs> that he would use and then the other dude played guitar and then he also had like a three stack like organ moog keyboard setup and then yeah. they I'm had vaguely this, starting to remember and then I they think had this girl yeah. that played violin and she was like an uh, Asian okay. girl with dreadlocks that played violin. And she was the screamer in the band. And all five of them sang and harmonized. And they did like this funky, like it was like, it was like disco mixed with funk mixed with like white stripes playing death metal. Like it was this, I can't even begin to explain what it sounded like, but they were like one of those bands where uh, I always have this memory of, I booked them on the same show as racing kites. And they started playing, and it was them right before Racing Kites. Racing Kites was obviously the last band of the night. Yeah. Um, they started playing, and half the audience leaves to hmm. wait for Racing Kites to come on the stage. But Preston is standing yeah. front of the stage, just in. <laughs> oh awe. yes, yes, I, I do remember. Pre- I think I vaguely remember a night where I might have been in. The, uh, we I might not have played, but yeah. I I remember probably watching one of their sets, and I think everybody. Had, I th- the memory that you're just uh, mentioning. It was at a I skate think park I, in Westchester. It was like it was like yes. next to a skate ramp, and Preston, yes. when racing kites went on stage, the first thing he said was we shouldn't be playing last right now. <laughs> like he was like that band should have been the headliner. That was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And he was like yelling at the audience. He's like, and shame on all of you for not watching what I just went. 
Like, I think I vaguely remember. I might, was, I might have probably been at that show, and I remember Preston so being upset. right in front of watching those guys. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't remember him saying what he said, but I remember him just vaguely just being interested in watching those. Well, guys. and now the lead singer of March Hare, Zach, is doing music with Emsley. Like they're collaborating on music together, and their music's like weird Nine Inch Nails industrial type stuff. It's really hmm. cool. Uh, Saint Ma- uh, Saint Mercury is what they record under. Um, gotcha. And that stuff's on Spotify. You want to check that out too. But yeah, it's I, I can't even begin to explain. It's it's weird to try to explain music on a podcast without playing the music. But like, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I have played that band for so many people because I'm just like I've never heard a band sound like this before or after. Like it was such a unique sound, and they had such a good stage show. And I kick myself that that band didn't exist at the peak of things. Cause I think that they could have been like yeah. the band in Delco that everyone unanimous, like they could have been like the Hey, Hey, where like, Hey, yeah. Hey was just like, everybody loved Hey, Hey for some reason. Like we all just agreed that this was like one of the best live bands. I think they went one step above Hey, Hey yeah. when, when they became a band. And I think kind of just wrapping this little yeah, this memory little based tangent. up, but <laughs> I think that's what made Chords uh, for a Cure very unique is because you brought bands like that, like that you think people would be interested in that you really liked. It just wasn't a general rock band or a general acoustic guy. You had a band that tried to mix three and four different genres together and like people like bands like you said like that march air that nobody would never really think to listen to but you discovered them you're like i gotta get them on a show yeah and i think you brought that to people and i think that's why you know it was such a fun time to really go to one of those shows because you knew you were going to probably discover a new band or see a band that you would not necessarily see it another type of show yeah and i think that, that kind of continues with what i do even now with like the we know podcasting stuff and with the geekscape stuff is like yeah i just i i want to champion people like really bad like like i have this weird <laughs> i have this weird thing where i bounce back and forth in my head of like you know, everybody who does stuff that they're passionate about, there's this point where you're like, I want to make this my career. But like, there's also that element where it's like, do I want to be like the most famous person for this thing? Or like, do I just want to be like the person who can pay their bills and like pay off their mortgage doing what they love? Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. those are two very different things. Keep yes. in mind being, being the most famous podcaster is very different from being a podcaster as a job. <laughs> like, like those are two yeah. And the same with like being the most famous musician is very different from like, look, you can be a dude who plays guitar in a cover band and you that plays all the bars five nights a week. And like your mortgage will be fine. Your bills will be covered. But like that is very different than being Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) Like It's a very wide gap. And I kind of bounce back and forth between like part of me is like, I am so happy with what I do. I love that. Like, basically my full-time gig now is making podcasts, helping people with their podcasts. But there is that part of me that's like, I would love to be one of the most known people in podcasting, Mm. not even for selfish reasons, but because like, if that would mean that I could tell people about these podcasts that I think are amazing, that not enough people are listening to and people would listen to me and like in mass check out that show, then like, I would love to have that platform 
to be right. able to do that. And that's kind of like the mini version of Geekscape has just been me grabbing these like podcasters that I meet along the way that I'm like, this dude is so good at what he does. Like that's how I found 91 Donkey Lane, which is going to forever be the show that I tell people to listen to, like listen to 91 Donkey Lane. It's amazing. They're about to have <laughs> their hundredth episode or as they called it, their 20th, fifth episode. So like <laughs> they, they are so funny. There's so much crazy additional work that goes into their podcast. We just added a show to the network called Undiscovered Scripts that I also am just like, everybody should be listening to this podcast. It's brilliant. It's uh, a bunch of uh, voice actors in LA. Um, it's actually the woman who started the podcast is currently the voice of Barbie in every commercial. She's like the official Mattel licensed voice actor wow. for Barbie. But she started this podcast with her other voice actor friends where they find scripts that will, that, you know, were very well loved and award winning, but never got made. And they perform it as a radio play. And like, they have dug up some amazing scripts for this show so far. Um, the first episode was called back to back to the future. And it was about a kid who is the world's biggest Back to the Future fan. His name is Marty. His parents met at the premiere of Back to the Future. And that's why they named him Marty as a tribute to their first date. And he sees a DeLorean at like this uh, Back to the Future premiere. So he sneaks over at night to get a picture of himself in the DeLorean. And it turns out it's an actual working time machine. And he accidentally goes back in time to the making of Back to the Future and he messes something up where the movie might not get made. So now he has to make sure the movie gets made so his parents go to the premiere and fall in love and he can be born. So it's like it's just like them remaking <laughs> Back to the Future, but right. on the set of the movie Back to the Future. It's so funny. It's so charming. And like the amount of Foley work that's in there with like the sounds of like the car revving up and like gunshots and chase like it's it's so well produced that I was just like, please be on our network. Like more people should listen to this show. And if we can help even like a hundred more people discover your podcast just because you're part of the Geekscape network, like I would love for them to be a part of it. So like that's kind of been what I'm doing right now. But like I said, I'd love it to be on a bigger, bigger, grander scale where it's just like, hey, check out this show. And it's millions of people listening to me say, like, check out these people. They're talented. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a uh, proud but never satisfied type of mindset that you're you you love what you're doing, but you're always striving for more. Yeah, and and I mean therapy is great because it keeps me in check with some of that stuff. Because that was my biggest. I was I went through depression for years, and one of the biggest things that would depress me sometimes was cords for a cure because I could never be satisfied with what we raised. It was always why didn't we raise more? Uh -huh. And it's like, you know. The person who's getting a hundred a three hundred dollar check when they didn't have a three hundred dollar check before that show doesn't care that it wasn't five hundred dollars. Only I do. Like, and and that was the thing that I had to come to terms with is like celebrate the victories that you have instead of looking at every victory as a minor loss. Right. And it's tough to do because I think more people do it than are willing to admit it. Like it's a lot easier to, it, it's something that I struggle with. I struggle with compliments. You know, if someone compliments me, I always deflect. 
like, ah, no, 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 that wasn't that great. And I've been working really hard on like actually accepting the compliments and, and being able to be like, yeah, that was really cool. What we did back then. Like that was because I feel like I missed so much of it when we were in it. Like when we were doing the music stuff, I wasn't appreciating what we were doing. And Mm -hmm. now 10, 15 years later, I'm looking back on it. Like, man, I really should have been more in the moment when that was all happening. Right. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, uh, with especially a lot of those things, uh, you don't know how much of an impact a lot of these things have made on a lot of people. Like we were saying earlier that, you know, people still talk about, you know, the music scene back then. And it's a shame that it's like uh, and I've talked about this on my podcast, uh, Table Talk, the fact that uh, you, you don't see a lot of bands or like people that are into music that are coming out of high school and anymore like there was when we were in school and i'm not sure if it's just a generation thing or anything but it's like you know we're still talking about it till this day how much fun we had um but- i have a theory on it and and i'm going to i'm working really hard on bringing back the mount hope coffee house i that is like my biggest dream is to get that back off the ground and that was very nice time too yeah and but i think that like Let's say you are a 16-year-old kid and you have a guitar and you like playing guitar. If there's really nowhere for you to go and play, like where's your motivation? That's true. To keep playing. And like I remember Andrew Emsley told me this, but he was like the Mount Hope Coffee House is where the Delco music scene all started because you had a bunch of dudes who played instruments who showed up at this place every other Friday and met other dudes who had instruments uh-huh. and then conversations started. And then it was like, he's like, that's how like his first band beyond Sunday was literally formed by them going to the coffee house and meeting uh-huh. another guitarist and being like, Hey, we should be an acoustic duo. And then like playing as an acoustic duo and then meeting a dude who's like, Hey, I'll play bass. And then like, you know, slowly through doing that. So I think that it's just like if you yeah. put the opportunity, it's the field of dreams philosophy. Like if you build it, it'll grow. But like if there's nowhere for anybody to go to show off that they can play an instrument, then how is anybody supposed to find anybody to form a band in the first place? There you go. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like you said, it uh, is it, de- definitely not much of a local you know, place for a lot of people as there was before. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. The fact that if you don't yeah. have somewhere and to it's play... Like, look, I'm 36. I'm not in the mood to start throwing shows for high schoolers again, but like (laughs) if I can do the coffee house and that brings out a couple high schoolers and college kids and like the next Matt Kelly shows up and wants to start doing, you know, shows, I am more than happy to show them every, you know, everything I used to do and help them avoid some of the pitfalls of the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, But it's always good to, you know, give back to, you know, I would say giving back to the younger generation, not that we're big phenom people of, uh, you know, the local area, but like, it's good, it's good to kind of give back to the younger generation to, if they're in that type of way to, and then kind of show them how, you know, the ways that you learned. And if they're trying to, you know, run in your footsteps of that, so you can kind of just give them a little bit of a platform, a little bit of a way to be like, Hey, this is how we started out. This is what we were doing. So I mean, if you're in that type of uh, realm, this is, you know, a little bit of the playbook that you can go through. Yeah, exactly. Jim, is there anything, uh, is there, is there another question we have for, uh, Matt? 
before we uh, possibly wrap up this uh, interview? Uh, I mean, there is the big one, which I'll save because I've just been digesting you guys talking about music and bands and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I know that the props that I pulled out, I, uh, I found all four of my Sun Valley yearbooks. Wow. <laughs> wait, 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 stop <laughs> it. Because I literally on my way home from work tonight was like, fucking damn it. I wish that I had <laughs> one of my yearbooks, but then in my head, I was like, uh, any yearbook that I have, Matt had already moved on. Like I, I, I think, I think I have, I think I have a sixth or an, oh, no. eighth, an eighth grade yearbook. Oh no! Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them is me, and one of them is my brother-in-law. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, uh, Matt, that slays me that you thought to grab the yearbooks because at literally popped in my head i was like i wish that i could push my yearbook to the camera and then i was like wait our scene like mine and anthony's senior yearbook wouldn't have you in it because you had already graduated our eighth grade yearbook you were already in ninth grade and i was like i don't know if i have like i know where those two are they're in my room at my parents um I don't know about anything other than that. Like in my head, I was literally thinking the same thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready on that timestamp because a curse is about to come right now. But uh, <laughs> you want to, you want to know <laughs> some whoopsie? I yeah, never want a single senior superlative, <laughs> not one. <laughs> I was looking through this thing. I was looking through this thing. I was like, nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> also, side note: I just opened up my yearbook, and the very, <laughs> the very first senior uh, signature I see says dear Matt you suck goodbye Brian <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man high school was awesome. <laughs> but yeah also like yeah high school these pictures <laughs> I was gonna try to throw up my 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 senior photo man the photos that they put of us are so small <laughs> yeah i thought that we were i feel like in my brain i remember like oh when you're a senior it's like six photos per page so that it was like nice big photos but man they are like smaller than wallet size smaller than a wallet size and and then spending that much money on getting uh those developed and everything to just have like this little bit of a picture on your yearbook (laughs) no it's uh it's not great but yeah i I was I was in the running for so many <laughs> senior superlatives. <laughs> like I remember I was up for most musically talented, which I think I would have said no to because that is not true. <laughs> um, there was so many more musically talented kids in my grade. I was up for friendliest. <laughs> like I was Yeah, I don't even think I was in, in any of ridic- that. It, uh, I, I started so I'm doing another podcast tomorrow night called High School Slumber Party, which is about reviewing teen flicks. But at the beginning, he asks people uh, stuff like, what was your school mascot? Like, what was, you know, did you win a senior superlative? <laughs> so, like, to prep for it, I've been thinking about this stuff. And I was like, I never got a senior superlative. Like, I was like, kind of, <laughs> I think I was more upset now than I was then. 
the more funny thing will be trying to explain what a vanguard is. Well, that's so that was the thing that I was excited to tell him was I was like, I'm excited to be like, we technically had two because we had the vanguards and the Griffins. Like it did make sense why we had two yeah. mascots. Yeah. It was that were not too far off from each other. <laughs> like I remember going to, uh, because I was in basketball, uh, most of my, uh, high school time. And I remember going to one school and it, it wasn't a rival school. It wasn't, a, I think it was, uh, uh, outside of our uh, district area, and, and one one of the guys comes out there. He's like, "So what the fuck is a vanguard?" <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't even describe what it was. <laughs> like, no. we think it's an eagle. Let me see, but it's I'm, not an eagle. I'm doing some um, some low <laughs> low effort research here, real quick. <laughs> vanguard. I, I'll be oh, laughing if if there's literally a definition for a vanguard. <laughs> Well, this is an advanced military guard, so I don't think that that's the one we're looking for. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, because technically our mascot was a griffin, yeah. but we were the Sun Valley yeah. Vanguards, which like right. didn't make sense, did uh, not connect. Wait, Look, what, like when we walked into Northley, though, they had like, it, it looked like a Viking, right? It, yeah. That was probably the Vanguard. So it's where did the griffin come in to the mix right yeah I, I think that's the biggest thing right look i've i don't have a lot of big requests or expectations in my life um but like i got i got two very very <laughs> achievable dreams right i want to be i want to be on the sun valley wiki page as a notable alumni <laughs> of the school <laughs> And I'd like to be asked to do a commencement speech because of that. that is, it's, it's such a low bar. I realize that it is a very low bar. But but I I those are my goals is to become at least big enough to get a mention on the Sun Valley wiki page. <laughs> and I think I think honestly, Matt, and uh, just enjoying because uh, I've been listening most of the time here. Um <laughs> Just you saying I loved talking to people and I loved, you know, communicating and the fact that you're doing something now that you're passionate about um, is something that I obviously jive with very, very well. Um, I dance mostly through or dance. I I communicate mostly through my dancing, which is just body language. So me talking is not exactly my forte. So for me to be involved in a podcast now, it's very new territory for me. Obviously, I have this which is producing great sound uh, at yeah. this point but um <laughs> i i really wanted to just reflect on a couple of the things that you said that you want to champion people uh which is one of the biggest reasons why i teach um is i want to be able to and like you said you wanted to start the uh mount hope uh shows again so that you can inspire the next matt kelly to do what you did um that's like what I live for. I try yeah. to be like, okay, I want to elevate the next generation. Um, and I, I've, I've witnessed it and it, it's, it's very rewarding. Um, and I also wanted to talk about, Hey, I'm doing this because it pays the bills versus I want to be the best. Like that's something that I yeah. challenge myself with all the time, especially in my field. It's you like to be a great teacher to be a great dancer and to be a great choreographer are all three very different things. And to be great at all of them 
is incredibly challenging because you have to budget your time to be like, okay, if you want to be a great dancer, that is a very selfish thing that you have to focus on you independently. Teaching is a very selfless act in that you're passing on. Choreographing is kind of a blend of the two where it's like, I'm challenging myself to be creative, but at the same time, I want to be able to pass this on to the people that are conveying the artistry that I see in my brain. So I toggle the three of them. Um, and a lot of the times I just like shut myself down as the dancer and I say, okay, well, the dancing thing is what's making me the money, the choreographing thing. Yeah. I mean, I have my opportunities here and there, but it's not my breadwinner. Whereas this is the thing right here. Me being a professional dancer is like, I have very slim opportunities. And when I get them, I'm like, I'll take it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, But that's also been because in the past five to 10 years, tens, tens to stretch, I'd say the past five years for sure, I haven't focused on myself as a dancer because I'm too busy doing this thing and this thing. So the dancer, the dancer world, one of the shows that I produce is a show called before my time with Gelsey Laurie. Um, And I mean, if you like anything vintage, definitely check it out. But Gelsey's background is that her mom was a, was a choreographer in Los Angeles and choreographed dances for a lot of movies and TV shows. And when she was 17, she packed up her things and moved to New York to try to make it as a dancer out there in Broadway. And, you know, she auditioned for the Rockettes at one point. Um, Mm. She was part of the touring cast of rock of ages. So like she, she did her stuff. She, she got noticed, ended up doing like years of cruise ships and then was picked up by Cirque Soleil and worked on at Cirque Soleil in Las Vegas for about four years. But she was saying like, you know, the dancer life, like living in New York, you're standing out in the cold in a skimpy dress at five in the morning, hoping that you're one of the people that they even notice enough to bring into the warm building to audition to mm. see if you get to audition for somebody else to maybe get selected for those. She's like, it's grueling. It's and right. she's like, you have to be, you know, every day you have to be so in shape and so ready to work, no matter how sick you are that like, she's like, it's not a great life. It's not a healthy lifestyle. (laughs) Like there's a reason Mm. why, like there's a lot of dancers who don't live to be very old because they aren't taking care of themselves in order to pursue that dream. So you're exactly right. When you say like to pursue that dream of dance, like you, you are, it is both a selfish act and a selfless act because you are actively choosing to really cut down the life that you have outside of the world of dance um, to, to succeed in that field. Uh, but I think that that's why it's great that you do have these options. Like I hate, I hate the like idea of like those who can't teach. Like, it's like, no, like that is such like a, a negative pessimistic way to look at it. It's, there are some people who absolutely can, who choose to teach uh, because the passion in them is so strong that like you said, they want to pass it on to the next generation. They, they want to see the next, they, I I want to see someone not just be the next Matt Kelly of, of the Delaware County music scene, but take it further than I could have ever dreamed of taking it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, that's, that's what I want to see. I don't, I don't need to be, I think it's funny that I've kind of relegated myself with podcasting a lot into the producer role because it's like, 
I don't need to be on the mic. I like being on the mic. I enjoy, obviously, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Hour and a half. I, <laughs> I have no problem talking into a microphone, even if it's one in the morning. But I don't need to be. I'd rather, as long as I'm involved and I'm seeing someone create a product and I know that like I'm a piece of the team, then I'm happy. Like I just want to, I'm, you know, the joke is just like, I'm just happy to be considered. Like I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> like that's, that's usually what it comes down to. That's why I say yes to almost anybody who wants me to be on their show is like, hell yeah, let's talk. Let's do a podcast. It, it doesn't take a lot to put me in front of a microphone and get me talking. Right. <laughs> well, Matt, we uh, appreciate you for coming on board with us. The only last question that I really had for you is um, where do you see yourself carrying on in the next like five years, uh, whether it be through podcasting world or like I, I'd like to just document it right here on one set. Uh, just like what your aspirations are, because that way, not it's not a way that I'm like cornering you and holding you accountable, but I, I have friends of mine and, and, and they're great friends of mine that are like, what do you want to do in the next five years? And like, it really puts into perspective for me, like, okay, am I just living life day by day or am I actually working towards a goal that is outside of my comfort zone, but it's something that I yearn for, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this for a while, actually. So what I would love is to no longer have any more in five years. I would like to no longer have any of the part-time jobs that I'm working to keep everything afloat. Mm -hmm. so I want to be completely, fully self-sufficient, exclusively on podcasting. I would like to no longer be editing anybody's shows but my own through mm -hmm. We Know Podcasting. I want that to have grown to a point where I have hired people doing the editing and I'm just kind of managing... Uh, the money and and making sure that everyone's paid properly and that that is kind of just a nice little side gig over here. Um, but in five years, I would like to be at the point where one or more of the podcasts, maybe it's one hit thunder, maybe it's a show that hasn't even been released yet, who knows, is big enough that I'm able to go on tours, that I'm able to like do two weeks doing events, live venues, uh, doing the podcast stuff, making people laugh, um, and getting my foot in the door producing docu-series based on the podcast that I do. Um, a lot of the shows, when I come up with them, I think of like, what's the next step of this? And like, specifically with Horror Movie Night and One Hit Thunder, like I have the idea for the docu-series inspired by the podcast. Um, I'm, I, I want to I want to kind of roll that out into the next thing. And then, you know, if I get to a certain level, I'd love to direct at least one movie. I, I've had a script mm. concept that I've been sitting on since high school that, I mean, I, it needs to be rewritten for like the 20th time because it's <laughs> hasn't been touched since 2008. And I'm sure that like the emotions don't ring true with me anymore. And I, I'd, I'd want it to be a personal story. but. Yeah, there's. I've been writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting a script called "Describing the Moon" since uh, 2004. So, um, I'd I'd love to one day make my version of that that movie. Um, and then I don't know. I'd love to do like I I I have a lot of ideas for like what would come next if we got there, but I don't think that that would be feasible in five years. I think that 
what I've laid out is a feasible five-year goal. And then we'll, we'll see what comes from that. But uh, I guess the, the, that was the rambly version. The super short version is I would love to be the next Judd Aptow in the world of podcasting. Um, the go. way that, the way that Judd Aptow kind of, you know, he would make one movie every like 10 years, it felt like, but then he would pull together these up and coming voices and let them do these movies and they would become big hits. Uh, I want to do that with podcasting. I want to be kind of that name that when people hear that Matt Kelly's associated with a podcast, it makes them go. It's, it's gotta be kind of good. Matt Kelly wouldn't put his name on a bad product and like they want to check it out. Well, Matt, I think I can speak for Anthony and I, uh, collectively, uh, when I say we wish the best for you, uh, you. I, I 100%. trust, I trust, uh, what you're doing. I thank you so, so much for being on here with us again. This is only episode 11 for us. So we're obviously a very, very young, uh, podcast and I am obviously not seasoned in it. <laughs> um, but thank you for sharing your story with us uh, and your journey into podcasting uh, and your aspirations moving forward. Anthony, any closing remarks on your end? Uh, Matt, just want to say like how Jim was saying, you know, we uh, are hoping and uh, wishing all the best for you. And we know that you're working hard every day and, you know, you're constantly at work. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, any other things you want to plug before we get out of here, Matt? Uh, because I have so many shows, I always just say, go to geekscape.net. They all live there. Uh, you'll find all the shows, uh, Christmas 365, one hit thunder horror movie night, uh, before my time with Gelsey Laurie. Uh, I also produce popping your cherry with Mary Carey and then check out. We know podcasting.com. Uh, if you have a podcast that you need someone to do your editing for you, or maybe you need a new logo or theme song, uh, we gotcha over there and then uh it hasn't uh the weird owl podcast is coming very soon haven't established the rss feed yet working on the logo this week and then it'll get uh established but keep an eye out for weird algorithm uh which will be our weird owl podcast nice this episode is brought to you by mathematics listen um if you think it's not important to know how to do math you are incredibly mistaken Listen, your parents put one and two together to make you, right? So (laughs) – So that was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It is Wednesday night, March 16th. We're at about 11.02 p.m. Uh, I just got in from teaching uh, about almost, uh, I'd say 22 hours ago, because it was close to 1 a.m. when we were wrapping up, or maybe (laughs) 2 a.m. when we were wrapping up with Matt. Um, Both Anthony and my uh, internet servers just died out on us. Totally Um, just died. Just like, nope. Nope. Uh, you're, You're not wrapping up this episode which we were not what like 
60 to 90 seconds from ending the episode in yeah, general. And thankfully, we were pretty close to just getting done. So it, yeah. it, we didn't have to redo. And thankfully, you know, Matt being the uh, powerhouse that he is, uh, you know, he was able to help us get our files. And thankfully, we didn't have to redo. So uh, again, uh, we want to give a shout out again to Matt Kelly for, uh, you know, being our guest. And it was a great time. We got to, you know, chat with him about, uh, you know, podcasting, his background in podcasting. We did a little bit of wrestling talk, which, uh, you know, was fun. And, you know, just uh, shooting around, talking. And, uh, you know, if you guys, again, all his links will be in the description of this video. Uh, and if you're listening on Spotify, it's in the description as well. So uh, make sure you check out uh, Matt. And uh, if any of you guys are watching and are podcasters and are interested in his services, feel free. Uh, we are not we don't get any, uh, you know, affiliates with it. We're just, you know, uh, you know, helping out a, a brother in hand with, uh, you know, shouting out and promoting our our friends. So make sure you go support him. And uh, yeah, so th this is going to be a little quick intro or outro, outro intro. Uh, but yeah, uh, we want to say thank you guys again for, uh, you know, tuning in. This has been the One Set Podcast. Make sure you guys are following us on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, at One Set Pod. And make sure you guys are giving us a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Anchor. And uh, we would love to have you guys... Uh, join our journey as podcasters and become new one set fans so uh uh jim brother anything else you got for us uh i just wanted to uh conclude the episode and kind of um delve back into and again i know that we wanted to keep this under five um and this mm -hmm. is going to be quick i think yeah. that the the most that i took from uh, Matt, he's such a good dude. Uh, yes. Is that he is out here wanting to help other people. He's for the betterment of community, which I think you and I are both in this, in the same boat with that. Um, yes. mm -hmm. absolutely. So if you're out here listening, um, uh, and you're a selfish, Whoopsie. um, <laughs> uh, teach their own but uh that's not who we are uh we are out here to try to further uh the growth of the life around us and the world around us right right and i i think that what like having matt on um and being able to chat with him it, it was just a true testament to uh recognizing like yeah he's my kind of people yeah and, and and he's your kind of people too and you know absolutely he's, our, absolutely. he's our kind of people so matt thank you from the bottom yeah. of our hearts okay um i think that's a wrap brother that's a wrap guys this has been one set i am anthony irvin uh my co-host jim green thank you guys for sticking with us for another episode we will see you guys on another episode of one set see you guys later until next time